0: Hey, I'm Dustin. And
1: I'm Steve. Welcome back to the Wedding Photo Hangover podcast, the finest phototainment in the world. We are an irreverent look at photography. This podcast, like aspirin, will help you recover from your wedding hangover. And today we're gonna help a little bit more than usual because today we're joined by Natalie Frank from HoneyBook and the Rising Tide Society. Natalie, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing well, how are you?
1: I'm doing as well as I can.
0: <laughs> oh. Steve's Steve's a little depressed over there.
1: Steve's uh, Steve's still.
0: I don't like this quarantine, man.
1: I don't like this quarantine. Yeah. It's uh it's not fun.
2: Steve, are you an extrovert? You're an extrovert, yeah. No. <laughs> no? No.
1: I <laughs> not at all. am hmm. How do I put this? I enjoy being around other people very, very much. I prefer to be around other people. I do not like if you put me in a room with people, I'm never going to be the one who speaks the most, but I want to be there and I want to be in the mix, but I'm, I'm not outgoing. I like deep conversations. I don't like shallow conversations where you just kind of like, hey, how you doing? What's going on? And then you move on to the next person and like you just keep going and going and going. I want to get to know someone, you know, we don't do the podcast because we want to have shallow conversations. Today
0: that's you, Natalie. It,
2: oh gosh. then then I guess I'm in for it because there's no swimming in the shallow end. y'all are
0: exactly. you are jump, saying jump. we're going deep. We're, this is the deepest podcast, as I'm sure you know. <laughs> um, let me t- let me quickly just introduce you. You are not only an amazing photographer, but you have turned educator. And as Steve mentioned earlier, you are not only the co-founder of the rising tide society. One of, I think the largest photography societies in, in the universe. Um, but you're also the head of community for HoneyBook. I mean, that's, that's a lot.
2: Yeah. It is a lot. Well, when you say it like that, I know when you say it like that, I'm like, all right, I gotta, I, this is just, this is out of control. Um, yeah, I do a lot of things. My, my background, you know, and sort of, I always say like by trade, I'm a photographer. I've been doing that since I was a senior in high school and photography was my way of paying for college. And then after college, I didn't go and get a nine to five job. I just went into a business that I was already at that point, basically running full time. So that's sort of like my roots are in photography, which is Mm -hmm. what led to everything else. You know, everything else kind of grew from that. And, um, it's, it's been, it's been kind of rough. I mean, honestly, like I relate a lot to Steve, your, uh, your intro here coming into this podcast of like, well, I'm hanging in there because frankly, <laughs> that's, that's kind of how I think a lot of photographers are feeling right now, you know, with everything being upended, our entire industry being kind of put on notice that things are on pause and, um, my roots will always be in photography. So it's been, it's been rough to kind of watch so many friends go through what we're all walking through and, Just experiencing it from the community side has been has been interesting and doing everything that we can to help, you know, and that's that's kind of what I think brought us to actually hop on the the podcast today. But it's I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that it's been hard.
0: Yeah. Uh, HoneyBook. So HoneyBook, uh, let's set up how this whole podcast episode came Mm -hmm. to be. So uh, two weeks (laughs) ago, HoneyBook called me just to check in because I I use HoneyBook Mm -hmm. Um, and they just called to see if there's anything they could do, any way they could help. And, um, I said, why don't we jump on a podcast and being, I'm the extrovert here in the relationship and I want to just hang out and talk and get to know people. And they said, we would love to get on a podcast. And then they're like, but we're all introverts. So we need Natalie to get on this podcast with you because she's the best podcaster in the world. And here we are.
2: Wow. You just keep raising this bar here. Making it.
0: Making Rising it tides. Harder. You're Rising raising tides. the
2: tide and raising the expectations. And I'm just sitting over here with my sparkling water, uh, nervously anticipating your next question. No, I, <laughs> I think that's that's kind of like what ultimately we we've been doing as, as a company over the last couple of weeks, you know, is reaching out to our members, both personally and at scale, you know, with the community at scale, because the minute that, you know, essentially President Trump got up there and said, hey, we don't want events larger than 10 people. Everything changed. Our right. whole entire industry changed. And um, as a company, you know, it, it really became apparent that the best way we could support uh, our our members was to stop doing business as usual and step into a season of having one singular goal and that is save our members' businesses. So mm-hmm. it looked like everything from, you know, for example, anyone who was doing sales prior to that day in March is now doing support is calling up our members and straight up doing what, what you experienced Dustin, which was like, you know, what do you need? What can we do? What are the pains you're feeling? And then bringing that back to the team. And from that information, we are, you know, basically creating content, working with lawyers to create legal clauses, talking to communications experts and building email templates. We're, Launching features like gift cards, which is something that we did based on a call, probably like the one that you had, where someone said, look, I need cash flow coming in the business. I can't go out and, you know, photograph an event or do this project right now, but I need the ability to bring money in. And so it was an understanding of of customer need and pain and then a quick reaction from the product team. But we've been very busy. Actually, we've been busier in the last month than I've been in my last four and a half years of working with HoneyBook. And I'm very, very very, very, very proud of our team and how we've responded to this. And, um, I may have a few more gray hairs, but <laughs> it's worth it.
0: <laughs> what, um, so let's back it up just a yeah. bit. Um, why an amaretto sour?
2: Ah. Oh. Why not? It's so sweet. You know, it's kind of like a Jolly Rancher, but in drink form, mm-hmm. but then a little bit still smoky. So it has what he, What Dustin's referencing here is that I there are two cocktails in my I'm life.
1: I'm glad okay? somebody is bringing this back to what, <laughs> what Dustin is referencing because I read what he wrote in the our show notes and I was like, why did he write this in here? I have no <laughs> idea what's going on right now
0: i have to preface steve typically writes our show notes so i like to write them in ways that are a little bit more confusing for steve so it's (laughs) kind of like a choose your own adventure for him um where steve is more of the type a like very analytical writes everything out in the most details whereas i just throw a few bullet points on the anal
1: part of that yeah
0: (laughs) yes
2: man so curveballs curveballs all time left and right Yeah. So there are two drinks in my life. One is the drink that I order when I want to impress somebody. And the other drink is what I actually want to order. And what Dustin was alluding to is that I actually want to order an amaretto sour, but what I end up often ordering is a vodka tonic or like a gin and tonic. And that's just sort of like my go-to. And sometimes I'll be real fancy and I'll be like Hendrix, you know, But, but I know, I know. It's, it's intense, but that's really what I'm trying to impress. But in reality, I just, I want something sweet. And
0: so because you have that on your website, do you ever sit down with somebody at like a formal meeting or get together and you order your vodka tonic and they just say, no, no, it's okay. You don't have to impress me. Get the Amaretto sour.
2: At times, at times, although I will say I kind of need to update that page because since that time in my life, I've discovered good Pinot Noir. And so I've kind mm-hmm. of become an old woman. Like I've left, you know, the you youth a, of a my bag of
0: it in your purse or something
2: 20 behind. I mean, yeah. Cases and cases of what this amazing wine called seven deadly Zins. Oh, it's, it's, it's technically isn't but it, drinks more like, I think, a Pinot Noir, but it is my favorite wine. And yes, I, I kind of feel like it's time, you know, like maybe the Amaretto Sour version of me is like TikTok and mm. I'm kind of emerging into more of a LinkedIn phase of my
1: life.
0: <laughs> well, don't do that. Don't do that.
2: <sighs> oh,
0: so okay. what's after, what would be after a LinkedIn phase if we're talking like the succession of your life?
2: You know, I don't know. Back
0: to MySpace? Death. Do we like revert? <laughs> Death, Dustin. That's what comes So
2: next. much stupid
1: gloom. So oh, much stupid so so When you can't work anymore, that's all that's left in life for you. Just slowly going to the grave. Maybe grandchildren. <laughs> I don't know. The, the grave Two grandchildren? <laughs> I don't know, man. Things are crazy right now. But, you know, I think if you do have grandchildren, then a good drink for you is, like, maybe you just cut a Capri Sun top off and pour some vodka straight in that, you know? <laughs> I just saw this beautiful oh. thing about a lady who was taking Capri Suns, pop the straw in, take a little drink out, put a little funnel in, you can put some alcohol in your Capri Sun, and then you use like a candle or something to heat it up and reseal it, so then you can bring your Capri Suns to football games or whatever and uh, get your I drink out. I just
0: on. see so many accidents happening with this, where little Tommy picks that up at soccer practice, and then... Yeah, it just... Oh, yeah, it's a truly <laughs>
1: horrible idea for anyone with children. Um, but if you See, don't have children...
2: Mind As a mom, I was like, no, 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 no. That is an accident waiting to happen. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, man.
0: So let's talk quickly about you, Natalie, because we really don't care about HoneyBook. Just kidding. Just kidding. Listeners out there, we love HoneyBook. We'll get there. But I want to know how... You went from powerhouse wedding photographer extraordinaire, um, dominating the Annapolis, Maryland market and beyond to setting your camera down, so to speak, to empower other photographers and want to leverage more of the education side of the space.
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, I. I photographed full time for about 5 years before rising tide kind of came into the picture. And mm-hmm. what happened there was uh, as I built my business as it grew and I established sort of a presence in in my hometown, I recognized just how lonely it really was to be in this industry. And I should even preface this by saying the photography industry at that time already had communities. You know, we Mm -hmm. were sort of the most social of the creative sphere. However, the minute you stepped outside of photography, it was very, very rare, especially in the wedding industry space to just see this natural coming together of different community groups, you know, an event planner sitting with an event planner or a florist hanging out with a florist. There was this underlying belief in competition and that we couldn't Mm -hmm. actually come together and support one another. And So what I tried to do and have been working on over the last four and a half years is to really redefine what competition looks like in a creative space. And what I mean by that is not that competition doesn't exist, not that it is a bad thing even necessarily, you know, competition's actually a performance enhancing drug of sorts. It changes our neurochemistry and it can actually create this momentum and fuel and fire for our innovation and for, you know, going out and creating and building and and there's so much good that comes from it when it's rightly ordered, you know, when it's not driving all of our decisions. And unfortunately, with, you know, these changes in technology and modern society and, and how we engage with one another, we've become very, very isolated. Like we feel as though we're connected, right? We hold a phone in our hand and we say we're more connected than ever before, but yet, we're right. actually seeing, in in my opinion, this this slow degradation of true relationship and connection and community, um, being replaced with kind of like a vanity version of it, and so. What happens in those types of scenarios is the competition, especially, you know, being a woman, like, especially amongst women can get very nasty. I mean, it can get very, very all consuming comparison sort of overtakes where maybe connection would have been before. And in an industry that is, uh, very much saturated and is very much, you know, it's hard, it's hard to make it as a full-time photographer. It's hard to make it as a full-time creative. Those competitive bonds can really start to wear on us in so many different facets of life. So what ultimately, you know, Rising Tide Society is all about and why it sort of came about is, is my hope and and the hope of many, many other local leaders that are a part of our community. We have over 400 groups now around the world, and that's led by leaders and co-leaders that kind of man all of those groups is to essentially put people before competition to acknowledge that as business owners, we're going to compete in the marketplace. That's how things work. But at the end of the day, you know, we don't need to tear other people down in order to, you know, exceed ourselves. We don't need to, uh, you know, race and spiral to the bottom. There is a world where we really can raise the tide and have high standards of business operate with integrity, you know, hold one another up and hold one another in high regard and move forward as a community, as a community creative community. And so that's really what led me from the practice of shooting into the community building work that I do today. Mm-hmm. And After launching Rising Tide, you know, we created myself, my husband, two co-founders here in Annapolis, created this community very much as a passion project. This was something that, you know, we were shooting full time that was paying our bills, but this was our heart and this is kind of our mission. Mm -hmm. And as it grew and as it scaled from 12 people at a table in Annapolis to, you know, hundreds of cities and tens of thousands of people we ultimately wanted to find a path to sustainability for the community and we didn't want to charge for meetups. Um, I didn't want to sell education. I, you know, I think that a lot of people go that route and that's amazing. Uh, we wanted to find some other way to make the community a sustainable thing that could live on could continue to serve and continue to scale and grow. Um, but also didn't create a barrier to the educational resources and didn't create a barrier to the community because we felt like that was so important. And so we started looking for partners and sponsors and we took on different corporate sponsors and we were trying to find a monetization path. And that ultimately is what led us in the beginning to HoneyBook and to connecting with the HoneyBook team and getting to know their vision and their mission for the creative industry. and. Essentially, what I ended up realizing was that both Rising Tide and HoneyBook were trying to achieve the same vision of the future. We Mm -hmm. were just tackling this entire problem from two different perspectives where rising tide was trying to create community and free access to education in order to lift the creative industry. Honeybook saw a world where technology could take work off of the plate of the creative to empower them to actually get back to doing what's going to move the needle in their business and you know sitting around filling out contracts and you know handling invoicing and constantly manually updating your business practices right. you know internally in your workflow it's not going to drive your business forward. If you could have spent that eight hours, uh, you know, that day doing other other activities and leveraging your superpower, leveraging your creative genius or investing back into your clients. And so we were trying to solve something similarly, but uh, from different angles. And so ultimately what we ended up doing was joining forces and becoming one company and one team.
0: So you, you bought out HoneyBook?
2: No, I no. We kind of the. I mean, the other way around. We were acquired by HoneyBook. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, Rising Tide was. Uh, we you know we almost went the nonprofit route and and registered you know as as an, a formal nonprofit that didn't. We don't generate revenue of any kind. Any kind of money we've ever made has been donated. We've donated over one hundred and thirty thousand dollars to date. Um, oh.
0: Wow. And and continuing. That's amazing.
2: Yeah,
0: What have, have you seen, just speaking about Rising Tide real quick, what have you seen like Rising Tide accomplish? Like what um, success stories have you seen come from um, that community? Because I, I mean, I can speak to just how important that is because when I moved back here to where I am now in my hometown of Fort Wayne, um, that was a similar case. Like we had, the, there was like a monthly little meetup wasn't uh, affiliated with rising tide, but it was just local photographers that met up. But then a couple like stabbed each other in the back. And so then it all like fell apart. And then there was this like huge distrust amongst the local, uh, wedding vendors to ever get up and get back together again, because everyone was like, well, I'm afraid to like have a glass of bourbon and like talk crap about a wedding. And then someone's going to turn around and use that against me in a bridal consult. And so it took me a long time to kind of break down those mistrusts and barriers and, Um, sort of filter the people that we allowed to meet up. But then I felt like I was being very uh, exclusive in terms of who I was allowing and who I wasn't. And I'm just wondering, you know, what success stories you've heard through the different meetups and the different groups and the connections that your members are making.
2: Yeah. So first I want to say, I think one of the misconceptions about community is that in general, it's a kumbaya experience and that (laughs) creating community is this beautiful and easy and seamless thing. When in reality, as human beings, we are all very complex and we bring to the table, each of us, our baggage, our trauma, our hardships that we're dealing with at home and in, in the professional space. And so when you get a room of, you know, 10 entrepreneurial types together, it's Mm -hmm. actually quite a feat because, you know, it's, it's, it's a very, um, a very challenging thing to do week over week, month over month, despite the fact that when we say the word community, I think sometimes we might get the wrong impression of what that really means. Um, you know, community for a lot of us is very much strongest in the struggle, and not necessarily strongest in seasons of prosperity. So it's actually times like these when we really need our community, when we really need to have people in our corner that we can lean on, that can help us, and also that will come alongside us and fight with us for you know, different things that, that we need as business owners, different things that we need as people. So that's the first thing I wanna say. In terms of success stories, though, I mean, look, I really believe that our individual net worths are sort of a combination of our relationships and our networks, that as business owners, it isn't so much even what we know, but it very much becomes within our industries who we know. Now, I don't know if that, transcends into the creative space. I think creative is very different. But when we're talking business, I do think that there is a lot of value in business to deepening those relationships, um, continuing to expand them. And there is nothing wrong with having your core inner circle group. I think that that is really important. So things that we've seen, you know, we've seen podcasts launched and created out of two people meeting in Rising Tide. We've seen, you know, people being able to move across the country because of Rising Tide, leave one city, go to another city, immediately have a home and, and a, a family to welcome them in their hometowns. Um, you know, we've actually even see, seen really wild things. Like one time there was a woman who was attending her ex's wedding and didn't have a date. Her date this is a true story. Her date dropped out at the last minute. So she went in the group and asked if anyone knew jokingly an eligible single man and the community rallied and found her one of the bachelor contestants from Canada, uh, donated enough money collectively and flew him from Canada to, I believe, Texas to attend the wedding with this woman so that this creative wouldn't have to go alone to her ex's wedding. So like, I'm talking about, you know, like businesses helping businesses, but also just people coming together and like having each other's backs and looking out for each other. We've we've had groups, you know, do an immense amount of philanthropic activities from supporting members going through a really hard time to volunteering in their local communities to rallying for like right now we have a petition. We're trying to rally for a change in the Paycheck Protection Program legislation. So. Mm. It really depends. I think it's multifaceted. Some of it's humorous and fun. Some of it is more deep and heartfelt. Um, But I think the the greatest success that has come out of Rising Tide are the relationships that have been forged, both within the community. But almost more importantly, once people leave their Tuesdays Together meetup, once they leave the Facebook group, what they actually take with them, for me, is success. Like, if they take a relationship away, that is, is, to me, um, my success metric.
1: So as a leader sort of of uh rising tide. Um, do you attend like a Tuesdays together group? Do you have like your own community around you? And do you find yeah. support from that community?
2: I do. I've lived in um two cities during my time uh leading rising tide. So obviously Annapolis, where I'm calling you from, is actually where we started rising tide. And then about a year and a half, well it was about a year in, um Moved to San Francisco, when well, I was a year and a half, moved to San Francisco mm-hmm. and then attended out there for a while. Um, additionally, like, you know, we just over the last couple of months, really finished our trip right before all of this happened but from January to March my husband um, my now toddler son and I drove from Maryland down all the way to Florida then all the way across the country then up the coast of California like a giant U Mm -hmm. and we hit up 14 different Tuesdays Together groups on that track and actually got to connect with um, everybody in person which was just amazing so So you know
0: on Tuesdays or did um, you have to kind of be like hey guys we're going to be in town you mind doing this on Thursday...
2: Yeah, we had to we had to maneuver some of the meetings around the driving schedule, but um but they were I mean they were amazing. They were absolutely unbelievable and all very different. I mean, you know, it was in Charlotte, North Carolina, we met in a brewery. In Miami, we were dancing salsa under the stars. In, you know, Austin, it was this cool like wedding venue. Jacksonville, Florida was a converted horse barn for the fire department that they turned into a co-working space and you know, it, each of these cities is is so incredible. And so, yeah, it was really cool to get to go and to spend time with people face to face in person. Um, really just like a breath of fresh air, I think from, well, what I think a lot of us are feeling now, which is that longing for community and that absence of a face to face connection, um, that I really hope, you know, as much as, as even Skype and zoom tries to accomplish that, um, you know, I really hope that we can, bring back into our lives sooner rather than later.
0: Absolutely. Especially for us extroverts. <laughs> um, so where does the hat of rising tide merge with the hat of head of community for HoneyBook? because they feel from what you're saying, like very like interwoven. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering like how you sort of separate those two roles.
2: Yeah. I mean, truthfully, I think it, has been an evolution, you know, from when we first joined forces, everything felt very separate. It was rising Tide over here, honey book over there. And we've worked really hard over the past couple of years to continue to slowly bring those two roles closer and closer together. And so, you know, at the end of the day, my job very, very much simply is to, you know, educate, empower and equip Mm -hmm. creative entrepreneurs in their businesses, and so, on the HoneyBook side, that looks like our HoneyBook members. So that's anybody that is using the platform, that is, you know, is trying to to grow their business, to streamline their workflow, get work off their plate. And that has looked like doing things like launching a small business accelerator um, that we called Upward. We did uh, two full cohorts last year and created an awesome curriculum for business owners to kind of better understand what does it really take for a business owner to go to the next level? Like, what does scale look like for a service provider? And actually, what's been interesting, even in the past couple of weeks, is hearing from some of those uh, members of the HoneyBook community that took part in Upward that have come back and said, like, I'm so glad I set up three streams of revenue then, because Mm -hmm. right Right. now my service revenue is gone. And so, again, like becoming more aware of, okay, as a community builder, how am I equipping our members to know that, you know, one stream of revenue actually could put them at risk. You know, to understand that there are other ways for them to leverage their knowledge, their expertise, their creative abilities um, to, to generate more revenue, and that's something actually that I've been doing over the last couple of weeks: is sitting down with photographers just like this and saying, "Hey, look, you actually have a really incredible skill set and sort of a genius superpower that other people don't have." And the it's not that in order to make passive revenue or additional streams of revenue, you have to go out and become an educator because that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, there are ways to do that simply by by using your talents, and then equip both HoneyBook members and beyond the scope of HoneyBook members, which is kind of where we move into Rising Tide, um, that wider audience with with those tools and those resources. So it very much is an overlap day to day, and where I get to step in and support, you know, really varies based on what the needs are. So there are times where I'm in the product, and I'm actively looking at new features that are rolling out. I'm actively giving feedback to our product team. I'm listening to the feedback I'm hearing in the community, and being that advocate internally to say, you know, this feature I'm going to fight for because I've seen this person and this person and this person asking for it over this other feature, right? Mm -hmm. And for, for me to help be, be that voice internally. And then on the flip side, externally, it also looks like making sure that when we, you know, come out with something new, which we're doing frequently or launching, you know, a resource, that it gets into the right hands, that the community knows where it is, how to use it, um, how to access it, and to give us critical feedback and positive feedback that I can take and then continue to improve.
0: So, you work at HoneyBook? I do. Why (laughs) should I... (laughs)
1: Really, Dustin? Really (laughs) hitting you with the hard questions now. Um, You also
0: work with Rising Tide, I believe? And do you live
1: in Annapolis?
0: Um, Can we confirm (laughs) all that? This is all just a preamble for us to get to know you, so then we could set our questions. Now this is the real show, right?
2: (laughs) It's been a long quarantine. (laughs) Um,
0: I just want to know quickly, in a nutshell, why should people use HoneyBook? Like, obviously, you've drank the Kool-Aid. You love HoneyBook. Um, I use HoneyBook. Why should wow. people use Wow, wow. Is over... that really
1: what it's come down to right now? Natalie yes. uses HoneyBook. Dustin uses HoneyBook. All the cool mm. kids are doing it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, look, put really simply, I've never met any other company in the industry that has fought this hard to protect small businesses, Ever. Period, the end. So for me, it's about, you know, a, co- a company truly at the end of the day is the people. It's the people who are behind the product. And the human beings behind Honeybook are some of the most incredible people that I've ever known. Both our team here in the United States and in Tel Aviv, um, just incredible, incredible people. So, you know, I think that. One, actually, one of the things we talk about a lot internally is this this larger understanding that at the end of the day, our goal truly is to help business owners to rise together doing what they love. And in certain seasons, that's going to look like us selling HoneyBook and like trying to sell the product. In seasons like this, that looks like setting aside our goals for acquisition and instead stepping up and saying, okay, business owners can't rise together doing what they love. They can't build a life on passion and purpose mm-hmm. if they aren't in business. And so that means that what we need to do in the season is going to look very different. And I've never seen a company do that. I've never seen a company truly put people first above profit, not just when it's easy, but when a lot is on the line, when it's really, really hard. Um, and you know, even to know internally the conversations that we have about what more we want to do, what more we can do every single day. Um, it blows me away having come from the other side of this, right. Having been a photographer myself. So, you know, I think that, every single person listening to this who has a CRM or is considering a CRM, you've got to find the one that's the right fit for you. Period. I I hope it's HoneyBook. I want it to be HoneyBook so you can join (laughs) our family, right? Hang out with, with Dustin and I, like we, you know, we are cool. I mean, we're a little, you know, we're, we're all right. Come hang with us. Yeah. But but at the end of the day, I think it's a bigger vision of ensuring that everyone finds a fit that really works for them. Because the worst thing that could happen is that you have no system, and your business does start to succeed, and suddenly you hit that point where you know you weren't prepared, you didn't set yourself up for success, and then you're overwhelmed, you're burnt out, you're struggling, you're dropping the ball, you're double booking yourself. You're I mean we've all we've heard those stories. We know people that have been in in those shoes. So for me, It's just really important. I think that, that all small businesses know that whether it's HoneyBook or any other product, that they're finding a system that really works for them. They're finding a company that really has their back and, and isn't just saying it, that really, really does at the end of the day, want to fight for them, want to protect them, want to support them. Um, and I, I believe that we do a really good job of that.
0: So you you converted Steve, Steve, are you converted? Join
2: us, Steve. Join (laughs) us. (laughs)
1: Us, oh man, man. <laughs> unfortunately I don't make all the CRM decisions in our business. It's uh, you know, there's two people involved in this business and
0: uh Some call that a marriage.
1: Some call that a marriage, yeah. <laughs> Co-business owners, co-marriage owners, whatever you want to call it. Um <laughs> you mentioned earlier that you fight for features in the honeybook product. I was just curious, um uh One of our listeners, Kenzie Ray McMullen, said that she loves the new gift card feature you guys instituted recently, and she was wondering if there are any new features that you're fighting for to try to get in the product this year, if you can talk about that.
2: Yes. So the gift card feature is actually a really good example because that was one that came straight from user feedback and was like an immediate, okay, product team go. And they Mm -hmm. started rushing to kind of figure out how do we do it? How do we do it? Well, how do we really brand it to each business so they can make it their own? Um, there, there are some massive shifts coming to the product in a really powerful way. What I can tell you, because I can't say probably as much as I want to, Mm. but what I can, can...
0: this is just three
2: people hanging out. I'm sure. No, look, I can tell you this, um, our vision and our dream would be for a service based business, like a photographer, like all of us to be able to create a workflow such that someone could inquire, book, sign a contract and do it all while you're sleeping in a mm-hmm. world where you've actually set all the parameters to pre-qualify them as a client. Can Meaning, you guys
1: set it up? Like- so Honeybook shoots the wedding for me too, or? <laughs>
2: We're working on that. That's sort of a proprietary process. Called, that called honey talk <laughs> That we'll come out with uh, later. But no, but that really is the vision. I think um, we really want to free people up to do more of what they love. So we're we're not even thinking at this point about, well, yes, we have these very specific features that are coming out, but it's a larger understanding of how do we change the way that this entire process even works? You know, is there actually a better way versus how do I add one feature to solve one problem? It's it's a larger question. You know, things in the past, like scheduling was a big one, you know, Mm. that we really worked to push through. Um, Gosh, it's hard to even remember. What about
0: this idea? What about this idea? This could be like a sister company to HoneyBook. We're going to call it, let's say Honeypot. And the idea would be like a Tinder for wedding professionals. So you don't get to know any information about the wedding professional. You just swipe left or swipe right based on their Profile pick, or it could be like a wedding photo they've taken. You get one photo to judge them on, and it's just, and then you look at your matches, and boom, your wedding is planned.
2: So it's basically the shoot and share photo contest. Damn it. Tinder. I don't know. We'll think about it. We'll think about it. We actually, it is funny that we have had many requests for like dating apps, network network relationship apps uh, really? from our members saying like, "I want to meet." You know, I want to meet more people in the industry. How can you pair us together? Um, but uh, I want to yeah, meet I more people
1: in the industry and also hook up with them. <laughs> We might make a beautiful relationship and a beautiful business partnership, or just, we might destroy everything like, and burn it all down. Just, Who
0: knows? She like husband relationships wife are teams crazy are really in right now, and I just really need to meet someone <laughs> to rebrand. Oh, gosh. What else did some of the listeners
1: want to ask, Steve? Uh, Rebecca Elliot was curious about your morning routine.
2: Wow.
0: She's a big Natalie fan. oh
2: well, morning routine. Um. These days, I don't need an alarm anymore because I have a 13 month old. So
0: <laughs>
2: that, that will do it. That's how I wake up. I wish I could say I get up at five, I work out and I drink kombucha. But really, what happens is I hear the screams of my toddler across the hallway. I get up. I pick him up. Uh, I go downstairs and I make him breakfast. I turn on some Paw Patrol. The pediatrician did say I'm allowed to show him screen time now that we're in quarantine and nice. everything's falling apart, so I have her blessing. Everything Just so
1: cold. you know, even if the pediatrician hadn't said that, we would not judge you. We, we both have had kids. So we know how crazy and terrible it can be at times. We,
0: we, I still have kids you didn't get rid of yours for me
2: <laughs> oh man but no i i make coffee a lot of coffee french press and two eggs that's literally my morning routine baby two make eggs. sure baby's good Ooh, wait wait, um, two
1: eggs how, how you make those how you make those eggs
2: okay okay all right all right i feel like i'm about to get judged okay um, i feel probably. the judgment coming <laughs> i okay I used to like scramble them them and I had a cheese situation that I would, you know, I had like my routine with these really cheesy scrambly eggs. I don't even have time to worry about it anymore. I crack them in the pan. They're either like way too overcooked or their yolk is so runny that it's just a disaster because I'm not patient enough to turn the heat down, to let them slowly get to that perfect, you know, over medium vibe. It's kind of just whatever happens that day. So this morning they were overcooked. Yesterday they were too runny. I'll it's get kind back of an to you. Egg and
0: experiment. experiment.
2: It's a giant egg experiment for sure. Yeah.
1: My wife bought my- like a little machine, and like you add water to it, you crack the eggs, you throw them in the machine, and then you just hit the button. And when it's done, it makes a noise, uh, and it's pops like out. perfect every <laughs> single time.
2: Wait, is that for like? Okay, I used to have a hard-boiled egg, egg maker mm-hmm. that you could put your eggs in and you hit it and 12 minutes later you have like six hard-boiled eggs and they're perfectly hard-boiled my husband still makes fun of me for buying that he thinks it's the most useless invention of all time but i loved it yeah it made my life easier
0: i was in a house this morning off topic here i was in a house this morning oh uh, you don't want to talk and about and eggs dustin no the, tangentially related and I was just thinking about people who buy things like that. And they had like their whole basement had like this, yeah, you know, like steel shelving and it was all... Boxes and devices, there were like those as seen on TV, like the pizza wave oven and the egg maker and like 15 different waffle makers. And I was like, wow, these guys really, really were invested in different food creation devices. Were
1: they really invested or did they have like a mom or a grandma who was really invested and they just didn't know how to throw stuff away or give it away because i feel ding, like ding, it's ding. probably that one where somebody's gifting them this stuff and they just can't get rid of it i, liked, I, I of prefer
0: it. to live in a world where they were obsessed with different food creation devices like the waffle hot dog maker or that that slap so chop. the slap chop
2: we all we all remember that the slap chop I'm trying to think of what else no, like there, just, there
0: have been a few like conven not conventions. That's not the right term, but like where they come to like a local hotel conference room and like yeah, oh, and that, hear them on the radio like, come on down, you have to see these new pots and pans. And my my wife's dad, who's not too far watching my children while I do this, he's like a sucker for those things. He, he'll get like coupons from work to go no, to these. Really, it's give like, it to coo- your father-in-law. Come on, Dustin. Yeah. Yeah. he's a long list, long time listener to the show. <laughs> what horrible things do you want to say on this podcast about your father-in-law? Come on, bud. and uh, he'll invite my wife along. He's like, "Oh, you got to come check out these pots. They don't stick." And I'm like, "Gene, I think like all pots don't stick now. I think that's a thing." Um, but he's like, "No, no, these ones really don't stick." And I'm like, "Okay, all right."
1: No, he's he, he would be onto something there because like they start out not sticking, and then like a month or two later, they stick. I was like, okay, I guess I'm just back to dumping oil all over the bottom of this pot (laughs) or this pan so that my stuff never sticks.
0: Yeah, my daughter comes in when I'm cooking eggs and she's like, daddy, I thought we were having eggs. I'm like, yeah, this is oil before the eggs. She's like, no, daddy, I don't want eggs with oil. I'm like, this is how I keep them from sticking to the pan. Should have got the pans when Papa went to the freaking hotel. Dude, just put a little bit of butter
1: on there. That's better than oil. Yeah. Taste-wise, anyway, olive oil, uh, olive oil, Re- baby. Rebecca Elliot had another question for you, Natalie. Uh, she was curious what pet pee- what your pet peeves are in the industry.
2: Oh, oh, that is a good one. Hmm, in the industry.
0: Did she say which industry, Steve? Um, <laughs> I think it was Best construction. Food? Yeah, construction.
2: <laughs> yeah, I okay. Look, I I think my biggest pet peeve in general in the industry is the way people talk to each other on the internet, I, I, it really bought, like it really genuinely bothers me. I think that, um, I see a lot of like gossip and negativity and, uh, it sometimes feels like, you know, people tear one another down longer than, or more often than they build each other up. And, um, that just, that always bothers me. I was never, but I should even say this when I was a photographer, I was never really one for the gossip, Um, you know, some people can get really into that and like, love it. And their entire Facebook groups dedicated towards like what's happening now and who did what wrong. And, oh my gosh, who are we going to go after today? With the exception being photo stealing that I, that I, that I understand. Like when someone steals somebody else's work. Right. Yeah. That always, that always got me. But, um, yeah, I think that would be my pet peeve. Otherwise, you know, I think that. Look, I I really love and welcome new photographers. I think that um they keep the industry constantly evolving and changing and innovating and they challenge a lot of us to improve and do better and do differently. Um without that constant influx of new ideas and new people coming in and you know, ultimately the industry would be the way it was in 2007, which looks nothing like it looks today, and that's kind of when I started. I remember you know looking back, like how different it truly was. Um, so yeah, I know she says
0: that, Steve, and makes it sound like it's so long ago. Like the most ancient people started in 2007.:
2: That's mm. when I started. I mean, I don't think it's ancient at all, But
1: but's um, oh, Wait, yeah, 2007, yeah. you said you started as a senior in high school, so you were a senior in high school in 2007?
2: Yeah, I was going into my senior year. Oh, gosh.
1: All right. So I'm the old one. Got it.
0: So now you and I are the same age. Yeah. I was graduating college in
1: 2007. So, wow. Yeah.
0: We have to have, just for our demo on this podcast, we have to have, like, the senior citizen demo covered. So that's why we have Steve on. I'm a stand-in for the boomers, you
1: know.
2: (laughs) Okay, boomer. Okay.
1: Oh, Natalie. sorry, um, I derailed us. During this time of pandemic and quarantine and everything, mm-hmm. uh, Rebecca was also wondering if you've had any recent small wins.
2: Hmm, I like that one. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think probably some of the biggest wins have come from in being sort of like having everything kind of toppled and changed and what I thought we'd be doing, we're not doing, uh, in this season, it created a lot more space to do things. I kept putting off or saying that I wanted to do, or probably wouldn't have had time to do. So one of them is writing a book. Um, and I'm working on a manuscript and, you know, kind of crafting out a, a book at the moment, which I wouldn't have had time to do on my weekends. What's, uh, you know, what,
1: what's the subject matter of the book? Is it like a creative endeavor? It's, Is it more educational? It's about young
0: teenagers. Uh, how comfortable do you feel sharing? <laughs> turn into animals?
2: Yeah, no, no, it's not uh, Twilight. But um, what I sorry, sorry, to let you down, Dustin. Those books made uh, a
1: lot of money. I, I thought about writing a new Twilight.
2: You know, <laughs> Just throwing I throwing that out I there. I might. I might in another, in another season of life. No, look, it's a business book about, um, reframing competition and understanding, you know, sort of how it, how it fits into our relationships and our sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. So that is the premise of my book. Um, but that's a win. That's probably a big win more than a small win. I would say a small win is you know, getting to experience more of the milestones with my 13 month old than -hmm. I probably would have otherwise, you know, getting, he walked and took his first steps, which was crazy. And, uh, you know, I got to be there. Whereas I, I think with, any other season, if we weren't all together, living all together and, you know, he would have been at daycare somewhere else, or we, I would have been over there. And instead we're all cooped up in one house. Um, literally when I say that, I mean myself, my husband, our 13 month old, my in-laws, like we're all together. Cause we sold our mm-hmm. house thinking this would be the year of being a nomad. Um, like truly we have no house. And, and so the opposite
0: of a nomad, it
2: was the opposite, but I, okay. Have you seen the meme? This is a little off topic, but it's, I think you guys can relate to this. Have you seen the meme that says, "What did you do to cause the pandemic?" And someone's like, "I finally set up a retirement account." Someone's like, "I opened, you know, a boutique or I opened my photo studio and thought I'd have people come in and visit me." And it's like, now we can't go Uh, out of our homes.
0: Oh, there's a pandemic.
2: Yeah, I chose home as my word of the year.
0: Mm. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good one.
2: Did it? That did it. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, we started a retirement account.
2: Yep, that'll do it.
0: That was. Now it's gone.
2: Yep. (laughs) I think a lot of people are with you on that, though. You're not alone. Not alone at all. Yeah. But those are some wins. It's been, you know, it's definitely been really hard. um, And it's been kind of a tough season. And personally, the way I tend to cope with really hard situations is I throw myself into work. Just Mm -hmm. how, how I operate. You know, some people need to take space. They need to take time away. I almost do the opposite. I like dive in headfirst. So it's been a, a lot of working, but also like a lot of, a lot of little moments of joy, like with, I think my son primarily and him growing up.
0: It's crazy. Is, is your husband still working?
2: Yes. Yeah. We, we're both just working from home. We're trying to figure it out as best we can. I, living with our in-laws has been really great to have childcare and have help. Yeah. Um, you know, at certain points in the day, my mother-in-law is a saint, um, and she'll just so, like swoop in.
0: Is he co-head of community or is, does he have like a whole different career, whole different thing or?
2: Yeah, a whole different career, whole different thing. He's um, the head of marketing for uh, like uh, his family's tech company.
0: Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say like a different CRM, like really just uh, dividing yeah. and conquering.
2: <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just really hedging our bets here. So if we
1: if we have some time and you have some desire, we have some... Kind of weird questions from the internet, Sure, if you want to tackle them with us. let's Dustin. do it. We got
2: a little bit of time left. yeah, yeah.
0: perfect. Let's do some q and Steve? All right, let's start with Ali from a random Facebook group. Ask the following: What do you do when you catch someone who is using your magazine published elopement image to represent sales? for their workshop?
2: Mm, you send it to photostealers.com.
0: Boom, <laughs> straight to calling them out. I love it, it's so, so harsh.
2: I don't think so, you don't, you don't steal someone's work. You can't do that.
0: And then, is, there, is that it? Is that all you do is, it, is you just you send them to photostealers and wash your hands of it or do you track them down? Natalie, do you find out where oh. they live? Yeah, do you no, attend their workshop?
2: Not really my style. No. I mean, honestly, I probably wouldn't do either of those things. I probably would send them an email and be like, hey, girl, just want to let you know what you're doing is wrong. But yeah.
1: I don't know. I feel like you could do like a whole thing where you put like a fake mustache on, you sign up for the workshop, you get there and then you're like, aha, this is my photo. A big reveal in front of everyone. Maybe like a PowerPoint presentation to go with the reveal and like some, some jazzy music to really underline how impressive it is that you pulled this whole thing off.
0: Maybe like a Tom Cruise type come down from the ceiling. This
2: is very elaborate. This is becoming very, very elaborate. So now
0: you want a Mission Impossible to reveal. Mission Impossible to reveal. Absolutely. All right. Uh,
1: Jacques from a random Facebook group asked, um, I signed up for a workshop because the guy teaching it posted the dopest photos. I'm all paid in full and ready to go Probably next Ali's week. photos. But someone <laughs> left comments on the guy's Insta that he was buying stock photos. I did a reverse image search and the photos were stock photos. But they were stock photos being sold by someone with a name very similar to the instructor. Not the instructor's name on their site or Instagram, but very similar. I don't want to give it away in case it's, in case I'm wrong and it it's legit, but it was like Brent versus Brett. Now I'm questioning whether or not I should even go. Am I overreacting or should I dig deeper?
0: Hmm...
2: These are very weird questions. You weren't kidding. Um, I
0: really go to the bottom of the barrel for these.
2: Yeah, look. If this person already bought a ticket, I would just. I. I don't know. I don't know what I would do. I'd probably dig deeper. I, that is quite a perplexing one.
0: I guess I've never been in a position where I like sign up for a workshop in like a fleeting moment right. where I'm like, oh, look at that photo. Oh, he's got a workshop yeah, I've got nothing going on this Saturday. Like, I'm just going to go to that. It's like, I follow this person on social media, and all of a sudden I see, like, they're going to be talking at something. I'm like, oh, I'll go see that. And then they're like, oh, they're having a workshop next year. I should go learn from them. How about, how about, how about... um. You're just like sitting at
1: home, you get a random phone call and it's somebody on the other end and they're like, hey, we're doing a workshop. And then they go into like a sales pitch and they just like try to pressure you into signing up for this workshop for somebody you've never heard of before. Has that ever happened to you?
0: No, has it happened I, to you, Steve? I can't that has say happened to me. It has. And that Jen. sounds very
2: personal. That yeah. sounds like a personal situation <laughs> that's happened to you, Steve. <laughs>
1: I'm really sorry. Steve, about would you that. like to
0: discuss that personal We're here situation? For you,
1: Steve. <laughs> no, no, I'm good. It's just uh, you know, you never know when you give away your phone number on a website who is who that website will sell your phone number to when they're like, You you that's just gotta true. give us your phone number to sign up, you know? The next thing you know, you're getting calls from all over the United States of America, from people with accents from all over the world.
2: I feel like we need to have a conversation with Steve about protecting your personal information. And (laughs) I
0: I learned that I learned that the hard way my freshman year of college. Um, So like we paid I'm old. Um, so we actually had like a landline when I went to college, like in our dorm room. And so like, we, you know, we went to Walmart, bought the little like plug-in phone so that my parents would always be able to call me. And, uh, first day of school, my roommate and I saw a flyer for free Subway subs and we're like, boom, free food, Subway. Yes, please go to Subway. All you had to do was like fill out this, like potential sign-up for a credit card thing. You didn't ever have to get the credit card, but, like, you just had to sign up this, like, give your information. I was like, yeah, I'll sign up, whatever. Didn't think to, like, use fake information. I'm a very honest human being, as Steve knows. And um, so I just put the dorm room phone number on there. um, (sighs) Because... Why wouldn't I want them to call me where I live? Like that just makes sense to me. They're um, still calling that phone number to this day. <laughs> for, you <laughs> know for they the are. Next nine, for the next nine months, <laughs> my roommate was the most angriest human being at me at all hours. We would get calls, <laughs> and he, you know, said, "You sold our souls for a subway sub." And it was just like, now I have that been on. I yeah, how that sub tastes, though. Yeah, what's that sub taste? Chipotle Southwest sauce. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't go wrong with that.
1: Mm. So um, I think we're going to have to wrap it up there because I know Natalie has places to go. Um, Natalie, where can people find you online?
2: Yeah. So I would say, um, look, if you want to find out more about HoneyBook, at HoneyBook, HoneyBook.com. Getting plugged in with a local group or a community, HoneyBook.com slash Rising Tide. And you can find your local group really easily there from the menu. Also happy to help at any point personally, just at Natalie Frank on Instagram. Um, but Yeah. Gentlemen, thank you for having me. Quite a riveting conversation. Everything from eggs to a slap chop to, you know, almost doing like a little therapy session with Steve and his experiences being sold a workshop too. This was a really good
1: episode.
0: This podcast is about. It's really just unpaid therapy for Steven. Yep. I'm all for
2: it.
1: Natalie, real quick before you go, um, is there anything you would recommend to our listeners that they check out during quarantine? Just uh, something not necessarily work-related, but just, you know, something fun. Gilmore girls, something like that.
2: Yeah. So what I would say is if you have already looked at all, because we have actually done a lot of really awesome resources and webinars on the work side. So after you've already browsed all of those, um, I did... Something that I kind of swore I would never do, and I've eaten my words. But I created a TikTok. Oh. Um, I would say, create a TikTok and watch videos of animals, like dogs, cats. Oh my gosh, some of the cutest, most ridiculous uh, stuff I've ever seen. It it will truly just make your your heart melt. But what I'll also say is beware, because you open TikTok and five hours of your life go by. And then you open your eyes and you're like, what just happened? Where have I been?
0: Pinterest of 2020.
2: It's, yeah, yeah, it may even be worse.
0: You opened TikTok <sighs> and you were a youth and now, now you're <laughs> an old. Now you're on LinkedIn. Is there like a little <laughs> function at the end of TikTok? There's like, I'm so sorry, we are now redirecting you to LinkedIn.
2: Yeah, you're too old. It, it basically told me that when I tried to sign up, you know, instead of a minimum age requirement, it was like, sorry, boomer, you are officially sorry, too boomer. old to use this. No, I'm just kidding. But that would be my recommendation. Something fun, Um, you know, fun videos, connecting with people yeah awesome. listening to this podcast of course
0: <laughs> of course that's the whole reason we do this it's just for the people who are stuck in quarantine that can blare this around their home to all of their family awesome awesome thank you so much natalie and have a great day
2: uh, thank you guys
0: if there's anything we can ever do for you let us know all right will do have a good one thank you so much all right thanks Thanks for listening
1: to another episode of the Wedding Photo Hangover Podcast. If you love the show, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to connect, we're at Wedding Photo Hangover on Instagram. Dustin is at Dustin underscore McKibben, and I'm at Stephen Van Elk. We have an awesome Facebook group you should join. Just search for Wedding Hangover. If you want more content... Head on over to the Patreon by going to com, which will redirect you to patreon.com slash WPH. That's the boring URL, though, you know? And there you can sign up for all the uh, great content we've been putting out. We have a year's worth now, a full year, Dustin. Can you believe that? A year's worth of the Stephen Dustin Save the World uh, podcast. How, so there so for you're, to listen to.
0: you're at home, you're quarantining. How fast can you get through a year's worth of content?
1: Uh, well, those episodes are only 15 to 30 minutes a piece. So two uh, there's days. There's been a few that have gone like 45, but yeah, they're, they're mostly pretty small, short episodes, so th- they'll keep you busy. Like if you just need something while you're washing dishes one night or something like that,
0: uh, it's, pulling it's weeds, good, good pulling weeds outside. Yeah.
1: yeah. Just, just trying to drown out the sound of your children screaming. Yeah. Good mm-hmm. stuff. Absolutely. So, thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next time your head is pounding, your limbs feel like dead weight, and your entire being aches for the sweet embrace of death. That's right, next week after you probably don't shoot hopefully, another wedding because of the maybe pandemic. maybe
0: shoot a wedding. Maybe shoot another wedding. Nope. Someday. Nope. Eventually. All
1: my weddings got canceled already, so. <laughs> 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 Even if they lifted the pandemic today, I wouldn't be able to shoot a wedding. <laughs> Ever.
0: Well, until August. Jeez. <laughs> June, Christmas. In brighter yeah. news, I know several people who have gotten SBA loans or grants. Still not quite clear if it's a loan or a grant yet. Been granted a loan. That is correct. <laughs> You've been granted um,
1: The SBA loan works much like the PPP where it is a loan, but the money you use for paychecks for employees is a grant. So... If you use all of your SBA loan to pay your employees paychecks, and there's a few other things other than just employee paychecks that it you know is grand like business
0: utilities and business the utilities on, so to speak.
1: Uh, yeah, that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's, it's very similar to the PPP, except it's not um, it's, it's for different types of businesses than what the PPP is for, basically. Gotcha.: Do you apply yeah. for the SBA?:
0: Do you get money? Applied for the SBA? Got some money? Um, and yeah, but I didn't get like an email or any kind of notification letting me know like, Hey, we gave you some money. Um, Mm -hmm. here's what that means for you. I just got a call from a fellow photographer who was like, Hey, I got some money from the SBA. What does that mean? I'm like, I have no idea. Uh, they're like, did you get some? And I'm like, I don't think so. I didn't get an email or anything and checked my bank account. And sure enough, there was money in it. I was (laughs) like, where did this come from? Nice. You gotta love when money just shows up in your bank account. Yeah. But hey, that was a great talk with Natalie. That was super fun. Mm-hmm. Enjoyed getting to know her, getting to know a little bit about Rising Tide and HoneyBook. Um, now I can cancel my subscription with them because uh, we've had them on the show. Yeah, that's how it works, right? <laughs> you don't need a CRM anymore, do you? <laughs> I mean, why would I? We don't... We're not going to ever have weddings again, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Never again, bud. Never again. Oh. Oh. Could you imagine um, running a subscription-type service, like an editing company, where you rely solely on people shooting weddings, having events? Like, I never really thought about it from that side.
1: Why? Why didn't you think about it from all...
0: Well, I mean, like, we tried to see if our editing company would put our account on pause through this, and uh, they said no. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. See, I I think one of the first things I thought of was that, because we had just had Ryan Welch from Freedom Edits on, and because Jen and I also, you know, run our own boutique editing service, and just thinking about...
0: um, How's Ryan doing through this?
1: Yeah, posted a bunch of stuff to his Instagram right when the pandemic hit, where he was like, and this is all the alcohol I bought (laughs) for the pandemic. And it made me laugh really hard. He's got a great sense of humor. I like that guy a lot. Um,
0: Dustin, um, what have you been up to? Anything new? Uh, Just doing virtual tours, doing real estate stuff. Um, Just trying to stay alive, trying to keep the bills paid. Um, Yeah. But yeah, that's that's about it trying to i'm try. i need to find so like similar to like what natalie said like when craziness happens like i go into like worker bee mode where i just like throw all my energy into generating revenue um because Mm -hmm. i don't know when revenue will stop being able to be generated um or when like wedding money will come in again so it's like very smart And then I realized my wife the other day was like, you haven't really spent a lot of time with the family lately. And it like kind of hurt me, kind of like really got me in the innards. So I need to reevaluate sort of my work-life balance. I think even through this, because in your mind, you're like, we're quarantined, we're all home, but we're not all home. If I'm at my computer editing or I'm out shooting all morning and yeah, so because in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm not doing anything on the weekends at least. <laughs> <laughs> but how about you? What, what's yeah. going on with Van Elk? It's, I get um, always told by my wife like how uncreative or non-creative we are with all of the fun activities that your wife comes up with for your kids to do, especially like your Easter activities, like the little like throwing stuff in the cup. Jen's amazing and- like that. So there's there's like a... There's, like, another
1: world where Jen was probably, like, a another universe where she was, like, a teacher or maybe, like, a party planner or something. Like, she's just full of great creative ideas and stuff. Um, but recently, we haven't done nearly as much just because Jen's had a migraine for four days straight, so. Mm. Which, that is one of the symptoms of her autoimmune disease is she can, is migraines, so. Yeah, you know, it's not it's not great. It's not the best thing that's ever happened in our lives, but hopefully, uh hopefully she's on the up and up. She seems to be yeah. doing a little bit better today. Today we shot um a video that I'm hoping to edit later tonight. Uh for so like right when this whole thing happened, we did like a newborn shoot, and by we I mean Jen. And that was like right before they put in like the shelter at home, stay home sort of thing. And um mm-hmm we've had a few other people who we were, we knew were having babies who had reached out to Jen about the possibility of shooting their newborns. And now that's not going to happen because you know, newborns now not going to happen. So we made like a video today and by we made, I mean like I held a camera while Jen did all the real work Ian and Nora helped out a little bit, um, kind of showing people how they could shoot their own newborn photos with their iPhones and stuff like that. Um, that's fun. Yeah. Look yeah, at you guys and, making content. Yeah, I mean it's just one of those things where you can't do newborn photos later. It's a one-time thing, so it's kind of it's like one like of those things where it's photos. like, yeah, yeah. So just trying to make something happen for the people out there who are struggling with that right now.
0: Mm. Look at you guys! People helping people helping babies. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's what we're all about, helping babies, helping people make babies, helping, helping people babies. have babies, helping people shoot photos of their babies, you know? It's a very babyful life over here. It's the
0: Kids, not so much. Mm, babies?
1: Whew, babies are so good.
0: Especially when they're not yours. Yeah. Yeah,
1: especially when I'm not making a, a modest proposal jokes about babies. <laughs> Class week on the podcast. Did you did you understand that at all, or did that fly right over your head? I couldn't I think tell that, when we were recording. I think that flew right over my head. Jeez, I'm losing, I'm losing you. I'm losing all of the. Everybody's like, why is Steve reading a modest proposal? Why does he find it so funny? And it's like, Oh, it's just eating babies. <laughs> what's, what's wrong with that? Oh gosh, I'm gonna have to cut this out because I don't think we want to put a thing about eating babies at the end of Natalie Frank's episode.
0: <laughs> mm, probably not. Yeah, she's a very nice person. Why would I do this to her? Let's go back to eggs and chickens.
1: Yeah. Eggs, what are they but unborn chicken babies? <laughs> I'm going to modest propose all your eggs. Um,
0: that's going to yeah. do it So for us here at the mm, wedding gonna photo hangover. That's
1: going to do it for us this week on the wedding photo hangover.
0: Um, you already did that. You already did that bit. Yeah. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye, Steve. Bye, bud. Hope Jen feels better.
2: Hey, girl, just want to let you know what you're doing is wrong.
1: Wedding Photo Hangover was edited this week by Steve Van Elk of Bespoke Tone. Go to Bespoke Tone for all of your photo, video, and audio editing needs. woo